Hello, welcome to Kamari's Place. I hope you're having a wonderful day, evening, night, or whatever time you're listening to this podcast. Come on in, make yourself comfortable because today we are going to be recapping week 11 of 2022. We are going to be doing another installment in the Sustainable Living series that we have started here on this podcast. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into today's podcast. Alrighty, so full disclosure, I started this Como Se Dice, Como Se Dice, Kijanudi podcast. Um, I have already recorded a little bit of it, but halfway through it, I felt like I was all over the place and I really wanted to like make it right. You know what I mean? So here I am recording again and it's okay because we're talking about the same exact things. So we're just gonna get into it. Anyways, I want to just tell you about this week like this is what I'm doing I'm documenting my life and there's so much on my mind and I feel like my mind is running like a thousand miles per hour with just so many thoughts and so many things that I just want to chase and discover so I'm basically going to do that like I'm going to give my myself permission to do that but I just want to do it in as much of an orderly orderly way as possible if that makes any sense like I'm giving myself the permission in space to tangent and chase thoughts because that's how you make breakthroughs but at the same time I do want it to be coherent (laughs) like to a degree to a degree there's a lot that I want to talk about this week I think the main things that I want to share with you is um um talk about the dinner that I had with the girls that I want to talk about the day the day that I had with Hannah hanging out then I want to talk about my childhood traumas and then after that I want to talk about empathy those are the four things that I truly want to focus on in this conversation today so let's hope that I can get through it (laughs) let's hope that it can make sense let's hope that we can have this be what it needs to be So let's go ahead and start off with telling you like, what is the overarching vibe of this week? What is happening? What is the theme? What is going on in week 11 of 2021? How sustainable are we living? Okay, so what I want to tell you about week 11 is that it's spring break this week. (laughs) This week was spring break. And this week has been everything but a break. It's spring break, but it's been everything but a break. And I'm okay with that because I do think that it was still fulfilling in other ways, even though I do not feel rested, like, at all. Because while I did get the break from going to school and having to go to work and going to certain meetings... I did not get a break from actually working. I still felt like I had things to do in order to not fall behind or in order to not be feeling like I need to keep chasing myself once everything starts picking back up. So the first two days of this week was literally just given to doing work for environmental science, which took forever. And it was because I did not care about the topic at all. So it just took me forever to get it done. So that was happening. Um, The week really kicks off kind of like Wednesday morning, which I was cleaning. And that's going to tie into another story that I want to talk to you about um, that kind of like comes full circle with what happens on Thursday. So I'll leave that for now. But that's when the week really like kicks off. So 
Wednesday morning, I wake up, I'm cleaning, whatever, whatever. And then I get ready to um, go to dinner with my friends. So basically, prior to coming into spring break, I kind of like scheduled out things that I wanted to do. So I wrote a to-do list of like all of the work that I wanted to get done, tasks that I wanted to complete. And then I also kind of like scheduled in um, meeting times with friends, so to speak. So the three things that were on like the meeting schedule was Wednesday night dinner with me, Hannah and Jasmine. Thursday was um, day trip with Hannah to just downtown where we live at. And then Saturday, what's on the schedule is meeting with some old friends from high school, Ashley and Anna. So those were like the three main like big social outing events that I was doing this week. So Wednesday comes around. It's the evening time. Hannah has like the whole vibe of what we want to because we're celebrating her birthday. Her birthday is actually on Saturday, but we were celebrating on Wednesday. So we decided let's go to Chili's, you know, we're going to like have this, we're still going to have like the cocoa butter, um, golden girls theme that she wanted to have for the birthday. Um, and we're just going to dress up and kind of like go with the flow of that theme. So we ended up taking pictures on the side of Chili's and Chili's happened to have had like the same background that we needed for to match and complement all of our outfits because we were like having like browns and beiges and golden tan tones and it just worked. So we had our tripod out there um, and just a big note after this week tripods are really cemented into my life like there will never not be a time that I travel without a tripod especially when I'm hanging out with my friends because one thing about me and my friends we gonna take pictures <laughs> we gonna take pictures and we need a tripod in order to get what needs to be done and so I was very happy that I have this on hand because it has been the holy grail of many of the outings that I have had with my friends so we end up taking our pictures, me, Hannah, Jasmine, it looks beautiful, they're vibey, we're hanging out as friends, and it's an amazing time. Um, then we go in and we have dinner, and again, it's fun. We talked about so many different things. Jasmine is such a great like question asker. Me and Hannah were como se dice chatting it up. Jasmine chatting it up with us all. It just felt like we were truly growing. Like again, this was another building block in our relationship of us developing like our trio friendship of like us being close as a unit of three and so I was so happy that we had this opportunity once again to like strengthen our relationship because we got to know more about each other more about just what like just more we're getting to know each other and I love that I just love how we're able to like grow closer together and how we just are getting into the flow of things and just building such traditions so yeah, dinner was a great time. I think the things that were really sticking out to me about dinner was one, I love how confident we are becoming and how our confidence is beginning to exude, which is something that I have had to work on and I have struggled with and I still do struggle, but I can see progress and how I literally can see myself exuding the confidence that comes from within. And the same thing for Hannah and the same thing for Jasmine. And one of the places that we get to see that exercise is when we take pictures in public. Because it can be super nerve-wracking. But instead, we're like, we want these pictures because we know the vibe that we have. We love taking pictures and we love to have pictures. Like, And that's one thing that Jasmine brought to our friendships together. Like, I felt like... 
she was the one that really cemented in all of us like how valuable pictures are and memories more so than pictures but memories and capturing those because she was the one that shared with us that like she has photo albums and she's gonna print these pictures out and ever since then me and Hannah started printing pictures out too and like being intentional about taking pictures whenever we're hanging out so that we can have those memories to last and so Big ups to my friend Jasmine for doing that. Why am I screaming? I need to calm down. Anyways, you can see that we're growing in that area of like being confident in who we are as young black women and just being out there because we literally had that tripod out there on the side of the Chili's building, three of us, tripod in the middle of a parking space. And we said, we are not concerned. We got to do what we got to do. People driving by, they looking at us and what? Like we got to do what we have to do. And I love that we have that type of mentality when it comes to getting things done. I just love that about us. And I love that we were able to do that. And then carrying that energy on inside of the um, dinner when we were inside, how like we just all just compliment each other. Like with words of affirmation, because I remember like I gifted uh hannah this this card game it was like called like therapy in a box or something where i gave it to her so that she could use it with her family to get to know them better but she opened up one section of the card game which was the wild card section and the card told us to like compliment each other and give like three compliments that we don't think that each other hears and so we're going all around the table just giving words of affirmation but aside from complimenting each other with words of affirmation we also compliment each other with our personalities and our vibes and our spirits is very much kindred spirit like we just really flow well together and so I love how we can be open and be happy and be fun and bust out laughing if we need to and just be our ourselves and just talk how we want to and not feel like we need to code switch no we sit here at this table and we doing what we want to do because this is what we got to do period and I'm just so happy and proud to know that I have friends and not only just friends but friends who are young women who really represent and reflect me because they're black young women who are truly embracing their blackness and growing to it and understanding what does that mean to them and really standing firm in that gift that God has blessed us with. And not only are we black women, but we are black women who love Christ. And that's like just that's the glue that just sticks us together. And I love that because all of our personalities are very different, but we still can get along. We still laugh and joke together, which I just love. Um, and there was even a point where like, you know, we're awful. We began, we were like calling the manager. We called the manager to sit at the table, but not in a Karen way. It was more so in a Miss Daphne, Miss Diane way, because our waiter, shout out to Jeffrey. We love Jefferson. Um, he was doing so well at his job and we love people who do their job well. And so we was like, you know what, Jefferson? We was like, where's your manager? Bring your manager out here. The manager comes to the table. We say, listen here, Jefferson did so well today. He just took care of us. He was so attentive. He brought out this ice cream bowl um, to celebrate Hannah's birthday. And he had all the waiters like saying happy 
happy birthday to her. We didn't even tell him that it was the, that it was her birthday. And he was just being so attentive. We just love his work. You got to take care of Jefferson. Hannah over here talking about, you might have to do something for my boy Jefferson. You might have to do something for him. You, you know what I mean? And I her wink in her eyes, trying to insinuate that the couple city say manager need to either give Jefferson a raise or promote him. One of the two, one of the two, one of the two. But we said, yes, thank you, Jefferson. He is such a great worker. And the manager told us that that's the second person that has told us that. I said, that's how you know we telling the truth. We ain't lying. We ain't lying. See? And so I just love how we just behave like black mothers and grandmothers. <laughs> literally and I truly that's like what I aspire to be I aspire to be a black mother and a grandmother at some point from the south for sure like I just want to so bad like I love how that pulses through my veins so that was a fun time it was a great great night I was so happy that we built those memories together and that we're just growing consistently together so yeah (laughs) that was Wednesday night celebrating Hannah's birthday then the next day, Hannah and I said that going into spring break, we were like, I really want to go to the farmer's market. And so where we live at, our farmer's market is every Thursday downtown from 9 to 11. So we'd say, okay, we're going to go there. We're going to like, you know, dress up nice, take a couple pictures, be out in the sun Sunday at the at the fresh market, at the um, farmer's market. We show up. To the location, we see the sign, but we don't see the people. We like, where is the farmer's market? So we're driving around separately trying to find it. We don't find it. We say, okay, let's just like park somewhere. Let's get in a car together. Let's kind of drive and see if we can find it. We were driving. We didn't see it anywhere where we thought it would be. We kind of asked a couple people like, where was it? They were like, oh, just past 2nd Street. Just past this. Just by-. We were like looking for it. We don't see nothing. So we ended up parking. We're like, okay, let's just park in this central location. We'll start walking the strip. And if we find it, then we go. If we don't find it, we'll just window shop, take photos, and just like, you know, have a nice day outside, you know? So we ended up parking. We started walking. We found this record shop. And I just love that we found it because I didn't even know we had one. And this is stuff that you don't like know about unless you're just there in the moment. And the guy was playing Bob Marley in record player shop or whatever like that. So that was fun to know that that spot was there. Then from there, we wanted something refreshing. And so Hannah was like, she was thirsty or something like that. And we saw this acai place. And I was like, I've been wanting to try acai for forever. Let's go there. I want to try one. So we ended up sharing one of those. That's where I found out that I actually really like it because I wasn't sure if I would like it. I like it. It's very refreshing. And I actually really want to get one again. Like it's one of my favorite snacks. Then from there, we keep walking downtown, just down this one strip, and we find this alleyway. And Hannah's like, do you want to take pictures here? And I was like, yes, like, let's do this. And that alleyway, that alleyway had so many great photo locations just in that alleyway. So Hannah took pictures by this door, and it just complimented her sundress so well, because her sundress was like, like neutral tone, just natural colors, very warm tone, flowers on it. I was like, oh my gosh, this just 
compliments it so well. We walk a little bit further down the alleyway. We see like this little terrace courtyard type of vibe. And it has like a blue periwinkle vibe to the building. And I was like, oh my gosh, this compliments my skirt so well. Because I was wearing a periwinkle silk skirt. So we take photos in there. Then from there, we walk a little bit farther. We see this pink tree. And we're like, okay, cool. Then we walk inside of this other backyard, courtyard, terrace type of place. They have wicker wood chairs. Hannah takes photos there. I take photos there. Ah, the photos came out so great. I said, this is amazing. This was everything. The photos came out great. Of course, we had the tripod there. Again, we felt a little bit awkward because literally the alleyway, there was a pizza restaurant right in the alleyway and there's outdoor dining there. And like the, the people are eating pizza and we're right across from the alleyway taking photos but like we gotta do what we gotta do you buy your business I buy my business I'm not looking at what piece of you eating so you should be looking at what pictures I'm taking that's what that's how I gotta be and so anyways that was just comical just to know and then just a funny story from that alleyway it was this lady who's trying to drive through the alleyway the alleyway is not meant for you to drive through it it's meant for you to walk through there's literally tables and and little things there like it's not an alleyway for you to drive by she driving hannah is like wanting to stop her and be like ma'am ma'am you're not gonna be able to make it out to the end of this alleyway i said hannah leave that lady alone let that lady do what she want to do she look like she do it for a living leave that lady alone and she make it to the end but she can't even make it out because it's a pole there and it's just not meant for you to drive through so the workers come out and they tell her no you got to go back so she got to get out the car a man got to get in the car and back it up for her and back the car all the way back and I just felt like that was comical and it what was also very funny is how the people from the different establishments that work in that little alleyway were like peeking out the windows or coming out the door looking like I know this lady ain't trying to come down the alleyway I said I don't know I she looked like she got it to me I don't know I'm gonna buy my business so that was fun then Hannah and I take a little bit more steps down the strip we see this um the Goodwill boutique hated it it didn't have anything that I liked there also the prices weren't cute because it was a boutique but it was cool to know that we don't like that thrift store then we go a little bit further down we find like this little shop and it has it had like a boba it said boba upstairs and it was like a sign chalkboard sign outside that said boba upstairs so we go in we go upstairs we're like I was in a boba place then we look across the floor upstairs and we see that you have to walk across this little bridge on the side and then go across over to the other side and tucked in a the corner there's this cute little new boba place that had like so much greenery on the wall just like vines and greenery just like a tropical forest type of vibe and the workers there were so nice I forgot the girl's name but I know the guy's name was Isaiah and I know the girl's face like I love her she was the one that complimented us when we both came in and they were just so nice and me and Hannah felt so comfortable there we were making like just small talk with them laughing joking around whatever whatever and so that was fun they gave us a tester so Hannah we both got to try like this um honeydew slush with uh lychee boba and Hannah ended up loving it I didn't like it because it wasn't super sweet it was very light and faint I love like 150% sweetness is what I need <laughs> and it don't even come with sweetness doubles I said that ain't for me that ain't for me so she ended up liking it. We go back downstairs. It feels like like a death trap trying to go down the little spiral stairs that they have because they have two stairs. So the spiral stairs was horrible. Uh, so then after that, we um, 
go down the line we're trying to find something to eat for lunch we ended up not finding anything and so hannah's like i really actually want to go back and get that boba so she goes back she gets the boba that we had for the tester they ended up talking me into getting the tarot the purple tarot um boba which tastes like nuts like he told me it wasn't sweet if it was sweet it could have been good but it wasn't sweet so i wasn't a fan of it and the lady talked me into getting it because she's like it'll match your skirt i said i'm sold <laughs> give it to me <laughs> and I just love them. They're so nice. Like they're going to be my little friends from now on. And I remember when we came back the second time, I was like, we back. And it just felt like we were at home. So I love them for that. Shout out to all of them in that little boba spot there downtown. Uh, so that was pretty much the day with me and Hannah. We got those photos. We had a great time. It was a great time. I went to go pick up my nephew. We went home. Then my nephew left. I was like, dad, like, let's go out. Let's just take a ride somewhere. So we get in his Jeep. And my dad has like a the Jeep and like the top comes off because he has a soft top. So you can just fold back the front and, you know, have a little bit of a drop top. I was like, ah, we out here. Um, and it just felt so comfortable and free. And um, so we took a ride to the bank and then we took a ride to the uh, Haitian supermarket that's like local around us. And when I went in, I haven't been to one in a while now because it's so out of the way like my parents usually go um but when I went in it just made me feel like you know it made me feel like home but at the same time it made me feel like a home that I didn't know that was my home I'm also being melodramatic right now but just follow me for the sake of <laughs> we're entering into the Cola City State childhood trauma story so that's just a visual marker for you or audio marker for you so yeah, going into the store, it was okay and I loved it. But then towards the end, I just felt awkward because I felt like I was out of place because I don't know the customs. I don't know the mannerisms. I don't know the language. So I can't really vibe with you like I would normally do. And honestly, it wouldn't even be like this in a normal store. Like I don't go into Publix or Walmart expecting to connect. <laughs> Now that I think about it, it feels almost like a microaggression low-key because I do not go into a Walmart or a Publix expecting to connect with the cashier and like wanting to know the customs and stuff like that. But at the same time, you do to a degree, you... I don't expect to connect with them, but I know how to operate in those spaces because nine times out of ten, you speak in English and you're American. So I can buy, I know the couple cities say commonalities that we do here in America. You know what I mean? Like, I know how to be fake and say, hi, how are you? How was your day? How are you doing? You know what I mean? I don't even know how to greet Como City say. So I just greeted her or whatever. But it's like, I feel like there's something that's being un unsaid and I'm not privy. That's the whole point about it. Like, I need y'all to follow me because this is so hard to understand, especially if you're like not in my shoes. That is definitely going to be very hard to understand. So let me kind of like paint the picture for you. What aggravates me? I need to get this out first. What aggravates me about this whole situation is that I'm, I feel like I'm not privy to something that I feel like I should be privy to. And that aggravates me because I don't like being in positions where I'm not knowledgeable what I should be. And this is like not the fullest like it's not the great um explanation for what I'm trying to convey. But that's basically in so many words the feelings that I feel. But let me paint the story for you because you might not know. Um, so basically, my mother, she is African-American. She's an African-American black woman. My father, he is a Haitian black man. 
And um, I grew up with both of my parents, but my father pretty much worked like the whole time, all the time, anytime, you know, he works a lot. And so his schedules would be totally different than mine. And naturally, like most people, their mothers raised them like that's your primary caregiver. So that was my primary caregiver, my mother. So of course, my mother being African American raising me is going to ensure, not ensure, but of course her raising me um, I would feel super connected to African-American culture and what that looks like and what that feels like. Like, I'm very much cemented in that. Like, I have been a black African-American woman down pat. Like, that's good. That's fine. I know what that's like. I know the flow of that. But because I was not raised by a Haitian woman or by my father, who was a Haitian man, being super active in the child rearing of me, I do not feel connected whatsoever to my Haitian side of my heritage, like at all. I do have a little bit of ties and connections because it's not like I'm super unprivy. Like I know the basic foods that we be eating or whatever. But then the other stuff that some people be eating in their households, like subjumu and like the fish and all the other kind of stuff and certain breakfast items, I do not know what that is. Because uh, my daddy wasn't cooking that. Oh, my daddy cook his rice and barely legume. He don't even cook that. So I'm just unprivy. So back to my point. And I know I'm whining right now, but just give me the space to whine. Give me the space. Give me the space. So with that being said, there's a lot of times where I feel like it's like this is a part of me or it should be a part of me, but that I cannot fully understand and vibe and connect and flow with it because I didn't, I wasn't fortunate enough to grow around and be immersed in the culture. So anytime I'm around the culture, I feel like I'm disconnected, like I shouldn't be there. You know what I mean? And not to the fullest degree, but that's basically the underlying feelings that it feels like. You know what I mean? Because with black Americans, when I come on city say I'm in black spaces, I know how to operate. I know how to vibe. I can give you that look. I can say, hey, girl, how you doing? Whatever, however. Like, I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like because I know that. I don't know what it's like to be a Haitian girl in the Haitian world. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I make no sense. I feel, okay. And this is another thought that came to me. I can now understand what makes people feel when they say when they say they're too black for the black side but too white for the white side i can't fully understand that because it's not that two type of dynamic like it's not i'm it's not that i feel like i'm too african-american for this side or too haitian for the other side it's not that it just feels like more so in another common feeling that a lot of mixed children have is that they feel like they are not connected to one part of their heritage. Like a lot of the times, depending on what, who raised you and who was your primary caregiver, a lot of the time, mixed kids who are, happen to be mixed with um, black and white, whoever raised them, if your mother, nine times out of 10, you know, generally, if your mother is a black woman and she raised you, you're going to probably be more connected to your black heritage than your white heritage because your mama raised you. You is a black person at this point. That's how you were socialized. Whereas if you were raised by a white woman per se, you are more likely to 
to identify with white culture because that's how you were socialized and especially if the other parent wasn't super um present in the in the raising of the child or if they just weren't as equally involved is a lot of times going to create that imbalance so bringing that back to me which i'm mixed ethnics (laughs) mixed ethnicities not races it's the same type of dynamic whereas my mom primarily was hands-on in raising me my father was there he was very much present I would say he's a great father but he was not my caregiver he was not raising me so therefore I am more african-american than I or I feel more connected to being african-american and what that culture looks like than I do to feeling Haitian and another aspect to this is that I don't even have any family here that's the whole thing too like some people they have a whole other side of the family that they possibly could have the option to get to know and be around and that's another way that you could get a little bit exposed you know what I mean I don't even have that and I know I'm whining right now but again give me the space I don't even have the time I don't even have that right now my freaking father is the only man only person from his family in America there is no other Gwen from my family line that is in America how does that look of course I'm not gonna be Haitian of course I don't got no grandma I don't got no I don't got no auntie I don't got no uncles I don't got no cousins I can't be going to the cookouts what do y'all call Haitian cookouts um Calling out to all the Haitians, what do y'all call cookouts? Do y'all just call it cookouts or is it like something else? Because, you know, like Mexicans, they got the carne asada or whatever you call it. So what y'all call the cookouts? I want to know. Anyways, we don't got no parties. You know what I mean? I don't know where cremas is. I've never drank cremas before. I feel like I'm just losing out on a lot. You know what I mean? I'm losing out on a lot. I'm losing out on a lot. That's what I feel like. I feel like I'm losing out on a lot. And so that's like painting the story. (laughs) Long story short, that's the like the setting. So when I was in the Haitian store, right? My dad speaking to her in Creole, they have, they laughing and they having jokes. I don't know what's being said. Like it, at least in Spanish, I can pick up on two or three words. At least in Spanish, about two, three, four, five words, I can pick up. I don't get the context. I don't know exactly what's being said, but I can say, oh, I know that word. I know that sentence that's being said. In Creole, I don't know nothing. Nothing. I know the basics. Who's speaking the basics? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have the advanced como se dice uh, vocabulary to be understanding nothing. So y'all joke it and I can't laugh and I feel left out. And it's nothing against y'all because y'all got to do what y'all got to do. Y'all can't bring me in and worry about me. Baby, come on in. Y'all can't translate every single sentence and I don't expect that from you. I just want to be privy and I'm not privy. That makes me upset that I don't get the underlying nuances. Like, what the freak? That sucks. And you supposed to be Haitian. That's the thing. That's what makes it so pitiful. Because it's like, you could expect that from somebody that's not supposed to be Haitian. I'm supposed to be Haitian. So why I don't know? (laughs) Tear, 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 tear. Anyways, moving on. My dad's talking to the lady. And, um, and, um. He told her that I don't speak couple cities say Creole. Also, um, Haitians, like, what do y'all call Haitian kids that don't speak Creole? Because, you know, again, in Como cities say, like, say, for instance, you're Mexican, you'll say no sabo. Or, like, Latino, Hispanic, you'll say no sabo. No sabo kids. So, like, 
Haitians, what do y'all call Haitians that don't speak English? And this is another thing. I feel like I would know a lot more if I had access to Haitian culture around me. But because I am not always around Haitians, I can't pick up on anything. You see how I'm very much privy to a little bit of como se say Latin culture, Hispanic culture. It's because I be around Mexicans all the time. It's because I be around Latinos all the time. So I know a little bit of the little nuances of what's happening in the culture. I don't know everything, but I know a little bit. You know what I mean? I don't even have that access to Haitian culture fully. I got Jasmine. I'm going to have to live vicariously through her. I'm going to have to use her. She's going to have to teach me the way. She's going to have to. She's going to have to. I'm going to have to see if I can get her grandma to be my grandma. That's what I'm going to have to see if I what I can do. She the only access. She the only... <laughs> I need to stop it. I need to stop it. Anyways, and then this is the other thing too, is that I have my father here. Like, he literally is the source, but I feel awkward going to him because it feels vulnerable because I don't want to feel like I'm begging you to teach me how to be Haitian. Like, teach me how to be Haitian. Like, you should have been did that. So, like, the fact that you didn't do it, I don't even want to go to you and ask for nothing because you didn't even teach me how to be Haitian in the first place. You're supposed to be my daddy. You're supposed to be teaching me how to be Haitian. And now, I'm freaking almost 20 years old and I don't know how to be Haitian. So, what do I look like coming to you saying, teach me how to be Haitian? (laughs) First of all, the whole idea of teaching people how to be Haitian is funny to me. But follow me. You know what I mean when I say that. But that's the whole thing. That's that's one thing. I forgot where I was. But anyways, you can see how I was more privy to a little bit of Latin culture, Latin culture that I am to even, como se dice, Haitian culture. But anyways, yeah, I just felt like I wasn't privy and that made me feel very, like, como se dice, isolated and secluded. And it's kind of like... it's something that I should know so why don't I know you know what I mean so when I left the combo city say um and the lady because I told her I was like she was like oh you you don't speak Creole I was like no and I said you need to look at him shame on him that's what I tell everybody because they be wanting to put shame on me I'm just a kid I'm just a baby I'm just a baby what you looking at me talking about you don't speak Creole you don't know that ain't my that's not my responsibility that's supposed to be his responsibility he's supposed to be a parent but anyway she was like it's hard if your mom's not Haitian it's hard and you know what it's right because we talked about this before and I want a grandma so bad podcast women are the carriers of culture so if the woman doesn't have the culture it's very hard for you to get the culture if the woman doesn't have the culture that's just on period because they're the homemakers they're the ones that people like run that you know what I mean so yeah that happened and when I got in the car I was so sad and I let a couple of tears fall down my face and I just feel like this is so hyperbolic I know I know that it sounds pitiful but it's true and it's a hurt that I have in my heart that I feel like I can't be connected to something that is supposed to be my culture like believe me when I say this like it does it truly hurts me and I feel like people we're almost you say fully Haitian are looking at me like, girl, what the heck is you crying for? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I, 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 I'm sad. That's what I am. I'm sad. Period. So that's that. So again, back to what I was saying before. I know I'm tangenty and I'm giving myself the space to do this. So back to what I was saying before. Now I'm not gonna make fun of Como Say. <laughs> Mixed kids who are expressing 
their what did he say troubles with being mixed because I can understand you baby I can understand you now I understand why you kind of feel like you have a not an identity crisis because again I don't fully identify with that but the whole idea of not feeling completely privy to one part of who you're supposed to be it does suck when everybody gets the reference everybody know everybody know and I don't know and that's just what gets me. Everybody know what I don't know what I look like. Y'all and y'all don't even know what I don't even know what happening and I look like y'all. That's hurtful. So, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this because these parents need to hear this. These PSA, 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 PSA. To all the parents who want to have babies with people from other races and ethnicities, you need to be privy about the races and ethnicities that you're having babies with so that you can come on city and say and steal and pass down those traditions and that culture to the babies that you having. Don't have no kids with nobody if you don't have no intention of come on city say immersing yourself in a culture to come on city say give that to your children. That's what they all do differently. If I ever have a kid with someone, whoever I marry and I have children with, if I marry someone that is outside of my culture or outside of my race, even though I'm not that race or that culture, I want to make sure that I can try my hardest to come on city say, learn about that culture, immerse myself in that culture or that ethnicity so that I can make sure that my children are exposed and immersed in that as well so that they can feel connected to their roots. And then on the other side, if you are the parent of that culture or ethnicity and you marry somebody outside of that culture or that ethnicity, you need to make sure that you maintain your culture and your ranks and your ethnicity so that you can pass that down to your kids even though your spouse may not be from that culture. You you can't put that all on them because they don't know what's going on. They don't know. So you need to make sure that your Como City say passing it down. So that is a definitely shout out to my father because he definitely didn't do. He didn't pass it down to me. He didn't. And it's like, again, I can't really follow him on that because he's a man. He probably didn't grow up cooking. My dad does cook a lot for the most part. and He can cook. But at the same time, when I think about it, I realize this. I'm like, I can't be mad at him because he probably do not know how to cook all the foods that his mama cooked. And he did not marry no Haitian woman that know how to cook the food that his mama cooked. So if he don't know how to cook the food that his mama cooked and his wife don't know how to cook the food that his mama cooked, who gonna cook the food that his mama cooked? Nobody. And now his kids not eating the food that his mama cooked. She can only eat the foods that he know how to cook. And so that's the only glimpses of Haitian culture that I got. All, all the foods I can eat is the foods that my daddy can cook. <laughs> I can't cook nothing else other than that. That's pitiful. So anyways, that is a big PSA. This is a big PSA. Teach your kids the language. Teach your kids the culture. Don't be having kids and just letting them be cultureless. Don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. I'm mad. I'm mad. Anyways so I did let a couple of tears fall down but this is what where this story ties back to I'm about to be done with this childhood trauma story but I need y'all to know that this is a true hurt that I have in my heart it's a true regret it's a true desire when I woke up <laughs> on Wednesday morning Something jumped in my spirit and it said girl you need to clean up the house so I went to that kitchen I cleaned up that kitchen 
And at first, I started off with my oldies playlist, right? So we had on Come On to D say, you know, a little bit Keith Sweat. We had on I Like the Way. We had on Usher for a second. We had on a couple of just like oldies, early 2000s, and then going back to the 70s and the 80s because you know I love that music. So we had that on. I was like, okay, we good. We, we good with that. I told you I got African-American down pack. I got that. I know how to be an African-American woman in the African-American world. I know how to do that. But then I went to my spicy ethnic flavored um, season playlist. I went to that playlist. And that's where I have all of my other music. So that is the Como Se Dice, um, Compa that's in there. That's the Cumbia. That's the Corridos. That's the Bachata. That's the Salsa. I got it all up in that little playlist right there. So I was listening to, you know, my Salsa, my Bachata, whatever. I love Cumbia. I do. Shout out to Selena. Anyways, listening to that. And then I cross over into Compa, right? I'm listening to Compa. When I tell you, I felt like, okay, like I'm telling you, most of the blood in my veins is African-American. But then that other percent up under there, I said, I feel like I'm connected. I feel like I'm connected back to the motherland. I felt like I was being transported to Haiti. That's what I felt like. I felt like I was on a boat going back to Haiti when I was listening to the Cobra. I said, I feel like, is this what Haitian mothers vibe? Like, is this how they do when they clean? Let me know. Do y'all mamas be cleaning today music? Do, that, do y'all mothers be doing that? Because you know for me. And come on, so they say African-American culture. You know when you clean in, you got either on a little bit of gospel over here. If it's a Sunday morning, Saturday morning, you know you got gospel over here. Or you got on the oldies over here. So I had that for a second. I was like, okay, we good with that. I felt like I was a Haitian mother for a second. And I said, this is what I want my children to have. I have without a shadow of a doubt that they're going to be securely African-American. That I can pass that down. I know how to pass that down. But... How to be a Haitian? I don't know if I can pass that down and I truly want my children to have that. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, how can I get my children to have this? I said, I got to get a Haitian mother-in-law. That's the only way. I said, I got to get a Haitian mother-in-law so that I can get a couple of cities Haitian grandma-in-law. That's the only way I need to do that. So then that... (laughs) So I was thinking about it and I was like, dang, that is not a right reason to want to marry someone who is Haitian so that you can rectify your childhood traumas. This is how people be. Come on, so these say having traumatic childhoods again because you're trying to rectify your childhood trauma and I'm trying to relive. I don't even really want the Haitian mother-in-law for my kids. It's really for me. I need you to raise me again and <laughs> make me Haitian. It's, 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 it's. We're not even going to speak on it heavily. But I was thinking about it. I was like, I truly do want my kids to have that. And I'm like, what's the easiest way to ensure that they're going to get the culture? I got to marry into the culture. I got to marry into the culture. But then I don't like that because I don't like feeling like I have to feel like I'm limited. So then it's like, dang, I got to put it to work too. It's like, dang, I'm already 20. You know what I mean? But I think the notes that I need to take from this is that I need to be intentional, right? About immersing myself in the culture and this is another thing when I was in a car and I was letting some tears fall down my face I was like dang I feel like I have to learn how to get connected to the culture by myself because my father is here but he doesn't seem invested and I don't know what his reasons are 
You know what I mean? He doesn't seem invested. And it feels vulnerable coming to ask him to give me something that I feel like you should have given me already, which is passed down the culture. I feel like you should have already done that. So why it's putting me in a place where it feels like it's creating an insecurity. Going back to come up city and say psychological language, it's creating an insecurity because I had a need when I was younger. The need was I needed you to pass down the Haitian culture to me. You didn't do that. So now it's teaching me that I can't rely on you to give me those gems and those trinkets because you haven't done it. So now I feel like I have to go elsewhere. I don't have no Haitians around me who I got to do it on my own. That's what that's what was going through my head just for a split second. So anyways, that's just a a a glimpse into what be happening in my life in my brain in my in my heart so that truly is a heart's desire i don't know how i'm gonna get connected and plugged into the culture i i would like to marry into the culture but at the same time i want to i don't want to be forced to marry into the culture and also let me voice this right because i have like this dream of getting a haitian mother-in-law and just having a haitian grandma but this is the thing i don't even know do y'all grandmas be loving y'all? I think y'all grandmas do be loving y'all. But you don't never know. So you don't want to put things on a pedestal and then you get into it and then you find out that they your mother-in-law don't even like you. That would be horrible too. Because this is another this is another fear that I have. I truly, truly love ethnic people. <laughs> Just across the board, ethnic people. I don't care what ethnicity you is. I just truly am drawn to other cultures. I love the idea of being mixed with other cultures, other ethnicities, because it adds more flavor, more spice, more season to your life. That's what I truly believe. Like, it's just different. And I love different. I love culture. So I would love to marry into a different culture. If I were to marry into a Haitian culture, my fear is that your mom and your dad and your family going to look at me and y'all going to be like, and she's supposed to be... First of all, you know how a lot of other cultures be having their own preconceived notions about African-Americans in general. So they're going to be looking at me as like a vagabond, right? And then they're going to be like, look at her over here. See, I'm kind of privy, I'm kind of privy, but I'm not. But anyways, they're going to be looking at me like, this girl is African-American. Then when they find out that I'm half Haitian, they'll be like, oh, she ICN. Why she don't speak Creole? So then it's going to be that whole thing. Y'all going to be judging me. Your parents not going to like me because I'm not Haitian enough for your son. I'm not going to be able to cook your son the food that you love to cook him. And I know how some of y'all parents be loving their sons too much. So that's a fear. Then if I marry somebody outside of the Haitian culture and just a different ethnicity in general, they're going to look at me again and be like, she's supposed to be Haitian. Why she don't got no ties to her culture? We got culture over here. So why she not bringing culture to the table for herself? So that's a fear that I'm not going to be ethnic enough for whoever I'm married. <laughs> that's the couple of cities that insecure that I've been developed. That I've developed. So that's that. There you have it. That's my childhood trauma. One of them. One of them. And this is another thing that I wanted to say, not really tied to the culture, but kind of tied to the culture. I need to learn how to cook soul food because I also want to pass that down to my kids as well. The only thing that I know how to cook is macaroni. That's it. <laughs> and I kind of got the recipe to the dressing. And I don't even got the recipe to the jambalaya rice yet. I need to learn how to cook beans. I need to learn how to cook field peas and put, come on, somebody say, a, to- a, um, a ham bone in the middle of the beans and smoke it out and make greens. I need to learn how to do that because one thing that I want is for my kids to know what culture looks like. 
they need to know. I love, I love having different meals throughout the day. I love Brussels sprouts. I love green beans. I love it. I love salmon. But at the same time, I also love rice and beans and big old pots of it and turkey wings and turkey necks and gravy. I love that and I need my kids to have that. So now I got to learn how to be more black, be more of a black woman and be a black Haitian woman at the same time. It's too much on me. It's too much on my shoulders. I can't do this all by myself. I can't do this all by myself. So that's the, (laughs) I feel like I keep closing it out, but then I have so much to say. So that is my childhood trauma there. There you go. There you go. I'm going to come back with the last story that I have for this week. And then I I guess we're going to wrap it up. So the last story that I want to tell you is the moment where I, this week where I felt a, a like empathy for a different side. And I feel like my theory of proximity and closeness causes you to garner and foster more empathy so the closer you are to a person to a situation to a culture to a way of life the more that you're closer to it the more immersed you are to it the more empathy that you naturally garner for it when you're close it's a lot harder for you to garner empathy for something to foster empathy and understanding for something or someone or some situation where you're super detached from it is easier for you to be apathetic. So to this point, let me go ahead and go to my notes because this is the one thing that I kind of started notes on. So let me find it. Sorry I keep sniffing in y'all nose too. Okay, my theory has merit. So yeah, my theory of that has merit. Again, I really need to do the research and find out if somebody has already done some research on this and has already been studying on this because I keep saying this is a theory that I have and I'm not sure if it's original or not. I feel like definitely because there's nothing new under the sun. Somebody has thought about it, but I just don't know if there's been a lot of backing to it and stuff like that. But anyways, that's the theory, right? Closeness um immersion uh yeah immersion closeness to something causes you um to naturally elicit more empathy and more understanding of something so what happened was thursday evening right before me and my dad left the house we're walking to the jeep and like far off into the distance we hear pow 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 we're like What's happening? Because normally that doesn't really happen where we live. We're like, they popping firecrackers, but then they can't be popping firecrackers. We're like, we look at each other, we're like, are we in a hood? Because <laughs> again, normally in the neighborhood that I live in, it's fairly quiet. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really lots going on. So when we hear that off in the far distance, we're like, what is happening? So we didn't think of it because again, we're like, I don't know. Maybe it could have been firecracker. Who knows? Whatever. We're driving, and as we're leaving our neighborhood, we see fleets of police officers flying down the Como City say um, highway to get to the main state road highway that is near our house. So they're flying down, and me and my dad were like, "Dang! Oh, so something actually happened. We thought it was firecrackers, but we weren't sure. Yeah, it definitely was not firecrackers." And immediately in that moment, my heart sunk. Why? Because I truly don't like the idea of people hurting. Like 
most sane people, like people who have hearts and emotions and who are not psychopaths. Um, or is it sociopaths? One of the two or both. For people who are not like that, you would naturally have some type of feeling to seeing like um, an emergency happening right there. And you know that there's something that has happened. You don't know what the extent of it is. You don't know exactly what went on. You don't know who has been hurt, what has happened. But my immediate instinct is my heart is dropping because something's wrong. If all of these polices are flying down the road, if all of the um firefighter trucks are flying down the road and the detective trucks and, and, and I mean it was fleets of them just flying to the scene and I'm like there's definitely something wrong and so my immediate response is I hope everything is okay I hope they're okay I'm not thinking about who is okay I'm not thinking about what that okay person looks like I'm just like I hope they're okay and my other immediate response, which this is all happening subconsciously super fast. It's not like I'm sitting here like, yeah, I hope. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, I hope they're okay. And my thing is that I hope that an innocent person isn't como se dice, um, caught in a crossfire. And again, at that moment, I didn't have a painting for who the innocent person was. I just said, I hope they're okay. And when I saw the the fleets of police officers flying down the road that once again kind of solidified in me of the fact of the matter is that I do care and so let me just kind of go through this I feel like this is a whole conversation on its own so I might even make this a separate podcast but let me talk walk you through this in the time that I am living in in 2022 it's the height in the era of social justice basically and I think that a lot of our social justice movements are so valid because there are so many times where the innocent person happens to be a civilian and the como se dice perpetrator happens to be the cop and many instances this happens to be that way and so when you constantly see that imagery um promoted to you and when you see that imagery getting pumped out of another innocent civilian and another come on city say guilty authority or cop or officer you began to build these connections within your own frame of reference of like well we see the good guys and we see the bad guys and the bad guys are the people that's supposed to be the good guys that's what it begins to paint when you are constantly being pumped a certain story in a certain instance and I'm not saying that the pumps are wrong because in many of these cases that has been the case that has been the case you know what I mean? And so that's what you see a lot. And so in these social justice, justice mo- uh, movements, I see the, the value in it because justice needs to be served to the ones that are wrong, who are wronged, and the people who do wrong need to be held accountable. And if you happen to be a cop, you need to be held accountable. If you did wrong, you need to be held accountable. Like that's my thought process behind it. But then with the social justice movements, a lot of people have just took it and flown with it and so then you hear things like all cops are bad all cops are bad i was like well i wouldn't say that (laughs) i wouldn't say that because just blanket statements just never work it's giving it's giving the same energy that they give they meaning whoever applies it's giving that same energy where it's just blanket statements that's just what it is they're just thugs they're just criminals they're just it's like well you know there are shades to it. So I really don't vibe with that sentiment 
for the sheer fact of it's a blanket statement. Now, I haven't done the research to know if there are other Komosity say meanings behind it and if that is just supposed to be like the the power grab to it and there if there's like another vibe to it. Like for my understanding of all lives matter or black lives matter, a lot of people feel like when you say black lives matter, it they take that as that is the only life that matters in this world, but I know that the Komosity say sentiment behind that is not that it's just black lives that matter. It's saying that in a time right now, it seems to be a crisis where black lives are constantly being put at risk. So in this case, right now, in this moment, referring to these situations, black lives are mattering because they're the ones that are being targeted. And if it was another life in this other case, in this other situation, we would be saying that your life matter too. So I understand that when people say Black Lives Matter, I understand the nuance behind it. That is not just saying that this is what it is. It's more behind it. So I don't know what y'all mean when y'all be saying a cap. I don't know. But when I hear it, I'm like, it's a blanket statement, right? So I'm just saying all this to say is that in this Como City State society that I live in right now, it's very easy for you to be conditioned to be hard-hearted in one direction or the other because on the other flip side of the movement we have the come on city say back to blue we got the all lives matter and anytime i be seeing back to blue i'm like are you trying to mitigate the fact that the blue be doing wrong sometimes like what you trying to say you know what i mean like are you really holding the blue accountable when they need to be held accountable or you're just like you know what we got a black to blue regardless i don't know what they mean by that and in most cases, I wouldn't take the time to really think about that critically and be like, is this what you mean or is there more behind it? A lot of us don't do that, but that's what we need to do because that's how you get more understanding. And so in many cases, you just kind of go with the conditioning. You see back to blue. I'm like, dang, that's just trying to be a rejection, a direct opposition. That's what it feels like when I see it. When I see all lives matter and when I see back to blue, all I see is a direct opposition to a real crisis that's happening with black lives. And it's like do you actually care but when you dig deeper there are some people who feel like that's just not a case and they do believe in blanket statements and they feel like whatever has happened the person wasn't actually um innocent and that justice shouldn't be served to them and those are the people that i cannot stand when y'all be repping whatever these causes are but then there are other people that have their reasons why they do what they do and in this case in this moment I was really say, prompted to see that other side and that other possibility where normally I could just easily just be conditioned to be like one or the other. So let's go ahead and talk about this um, sentiment going back to what happened. So we heard it. We saw the fleets of the say, um officers going down and my immediate reaction is I hope that they are okay meaning both parties I don't know who did wrong I don't know what happened I do not know what's going on and so at that moment there was no propaganda being pushed from either sides it wasn't a painting of a picture from one side saying that oh yeah the civilian was the one that was wrong the civilian did this they should have gotten this it wasn't the propaganda from another side saying oh yeah the blue was doing wrong yes they're awful a cab this a cab that there was no propaganda there was no pandering there was no painting of a narrative because I wasn't getting the information from any secondary sources I'm literally here as a distant primary source because again I wasn't on the scene so I don't even know what happened and that's just what was happening I don't know what happened and that on the other flip side of that I didn't have anybody telling me what happened when I didn't know what happened you know what I mean and so in that moment, I was forced to think about the other side for a change um, because the picture wasn't already painted for me. And so I had to think about if it was the Como Sinise civilian that had done wrong, 
I hope that that cop is okay. If the civilian over here popping the Como City say guns at somebody, bullets at somebody, I, I hope the officer is okay if he's not the one in the wrong. You know what I mean? If he's the innocent one, I hope he's okay. And then from the other side, I had to consider if it's a cop doing something that wasn't necessarily appropriate, if they're the one in the wrong, I truly hope that the civilian is okay. So I had to force myself to think from both of the sides because in that moment I wasn't there at the intersection seeing what was happening and I also didn't have information being prompted to me telling me what side was okay and what side wasn't okay and what side was wrong and what side was wrong and painting a picture for me and so with that being said it really brought me back to reality to realize that I cannot get caught up in the overarching blanket statements of both sides because of both of them be Como Sinise making blanket statements and putting out and painting narratives to suit their causes. And what I want to be as an individual in this world is a well-rounded individual that sees things from both perspectives and just isn't blindly following whatever is pumped to you just for the sake of. I really want to be a free thinker. And so with that being said, in that moment, I was just reminded of the fact that not all cops are bad at certain points. And if that cop was innocent, I truly hope that they were okay. And then it made me think about what happens if I couldn't think, I couldn't imagine thinking about their, their family for a second. Because then I realized that y'all jobs really are dangerous. A lot of the times y'all job, not even a lot of times, y'all job really is dangerous. And if my family member was a service worker, if they were a public servant, if they were, um, you know, on the emergency task force, I would be nervous every day knowing whether or not whatever my loved one is out there, hopefully trying to do what's right. That's the big key. I want to believe that y'all have the heart to do what's right. And if I know that my Como City State family member is out there really trying to serve the community and then we got a civilian doing what they want to do, yeah, I would be Como City State concerned. So that's just a piece from the other side. I had to be empathetic. I had to really reach out and be like, let me see it from this person's shoes and see how y'all feel. And so now I can probably possibly understand why you want black and blue. I bet the blue too. I'm not going to put no, I'm not going to put no flag on the back of my truck though. And I'm not going to have a blue line on it, but I back the blue who black the people. That's, that's who I back. I back the people who really truly are out there to do what's right. And not being blinded and thinking you're doing what's right and not really knowing that you're actually being, come on, say prejudice, that you're actually being corrupt and you think that you're doing right. Not that, but people who truly, from their hearts, are following protocol, are trying to do what's best, are trying to actually do what needs to be done. And you happen to, come on, say being, being crossed in a crossfire, I support you. If you support me, I support you. That's how I feel. <laughs> Because Jesus told me I'm supposed to love my neighbors. And I do. I do. I do. I do. He told me I'm supposed to love my enemies. And I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. That don't mean that I'm eating with y'all. You know what I mean? But I will eat with the blue that will eat with me. Like, I will. I will. I will. But at the same time, we can't ignore the other fact of the thing is that there is mass complicity, say, policing happening. There is some corruption going on. There is some. But I can't also hyper-focus on that and be like, corruption across the board, you know? Because there are other people within the system that may be corrupt that are trying to, come city, say, counteract the corruption. You know what I mean? So that's another perspective that you need to consider. You know what I mean? You don't have to 
completely agree with it. You don't have to subscribe to it, but you should consider it to make sure that you're being well-rounded in your approach. And so that was just a situation where I really truly had to force myself to be like, dang. And it wasn't even a force. It was more so of a natural nature because I did not know. So I'm like, who? I hope y'all are okay. And I truly do not want anything to ever Como City say in a death. Really, truly, I I don't. I don't like it. 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 So whenever I hear something happening, tragic, traumas, emergencies, state of emergencies, I'm like, I hope both parties are okay. And the one that I'm sympathizing with the most is the one who is innocent. And so if the cop happened to be innocent, I hope you're okay. And if the civilian is innocent, I hope you're okay. And then there's also, Como City say, gray areas between that. But anyways, whatever. That's what happened this week. That was just from Monday to Thursday, girl. It's Friday right now. I'm not doing nothing else. I'm truly not. I shouldn't get in there and do some work. Who knows? I should, though. Am I? No. (laughs) But I'm probably going to. I'm probably going to go in there and I'm going to do that. I don't think that I'm going to check in tomorrow because it's going to be a busy day. I'm going to be supporting my mom. I'm going to be hanging out with Ashley and Anna. I think. I don't know. Um, Because Anna's talking about she got bad news, but then she didn't follow up with the bad news. I guess she wants somebody to say what the bad news is. So let me go ahead and text to say what the bad news is. Um, So yeah, doing that. Sunday, you know the deal. I'm going to church. Um, and, um, I'm dreading if I should go to the funeral or not. I actually hate funerals. I don't like being sad, but, um, that's something that I want to tackle grief and really understanding and not understanding it, but just tackling it and embracing that with strides because it's something that I've been running away from for a long time. So that's something that I'm going to work on. And I'm dragging this longer than it needs to be. So I'm going to go ahead and leave. That is the end of my TED Talk. That is the end of today's podcast. That is the end of week 11's recap. Um, And yeah, I can't wait to see you, Lord willing, next week on week 12 to tell you about what is happening in my life. Talk to you soon. Oh, we cannot forget about the outro. We can't do that. Never. The outro is never dying. As always, my friends, peace, positivity, productivity, prosperity, and a God-sent perspective to you and everyone you know. And until next time, ciao.